Hi, everybody. Uh, so usually you see me running around all over the place, and uh, I did all of that before service this morning. And um, <laughs> uh, and that's because today I get to share the Bible with you. I get to share Jesus with you. I get to share the scripture with you. And um, I put a little stopwatch down here as a reminder because, I mean, I've got at least an hour's worth of content that I'd love to share with you. Um, but to stay, to stay true to my conscience uh, and my expectations, I'm going to try to to keep that in like a 35-minute window, all right? Which means I feel like there's a whole lot I've got to cover, uh, but I'm going to trust that Jesus will guide me into the right spots. I've done my preparation. I've done my reading. I've been praying. I've been praying for you. Many of you who knew that I was going to be speaking have also been praying for yourselves, but for me also. <laughs> and I really appreciate that. Uh, we got some things fixed we got some tech stuff fixed, thank God, which I was very happy to find out wasn't me. It was YouTube. It was the internet, and uh, we, were able to, we were able to figure it out. It just required a little extra nose to the grindstone, a little extra studying, but we got it fixed. So for those of you who are online, I'm looking into camera one. For those of you who are online, we are happy to be worshiping with you today, right now. So that's very exciting. We're happy that you are there. And in fact, if you're watching online and you have not already subscribed to the YouTube channel that you are watching, go ahead, hit the like button, and then hit the bell. That bell is going to give you a notification anytime we go live, anytime we update a new video. So that's an opportunity for you to stay connected to us, because I know some of you who are watching right now have never been in our sanctuary. You've never had the opportunity to come and sit and fellowship with us here, because you don't live in Connecticut. We are spread out. We've got audience members all over the world. In fact, one of the things that we use to share what we're doing here uh, is through our podcast, the TBC Provoke Podcast, which can be found uh, in the iTunes Podcast Store, the Apple Podcast Store. It's on Google Play. It's on uh, what Spotify, seven or eight different platforms. Um, and so another way to connect with us here, if you want to stay connected and you're one of our global audience members or uh, congregants, then you can absolutely like that podcast and stay connected. <clears throat> so today uh, we're picking up in John 14. We've been going through John now for a while. I think we're, gonna, we're trying to get through it by the end of the year. Um, and uh, Dan, give me a couple verses to talk about. And... I want to pray for us real quick, and then I want to get to it, because I've got 27 minutes, all right? All right, so I want to pray for us real quick. Okay, Jesus, we know that you are here. We know that you are at work. We know, Jesus, that you have something to say to us today, and you have put us, you have ordained this moment, and you have put us all here uh, to bring this moment to fruition because you want to do something just like the song uh, this morning that the ensemble sang. 
You want to do something. Your moment, your time is coming and you desire to speak to us. Just as Dan gave us the scripture this morning and it just hit me in the heart. He said, it is not for you that I am about to do this. It is for my glory. So church, God is gonna do something today. He has given us forewarning. He says it is for his glory that he is about to do something and he's just gonna do it in us and to us and through us. And so God, I pray that we are available. Speaking about bringing people, amen. Speaking about bringing people into place to make something happen, we have some uh, lovely and familiar faces with us this morning. Uh, Bruce and Rhonda Colgate are in the booth this Sunday. Amen. Uh, we, have, we have called them in as gunslingers, and it is so good to know that they are there. Um, some of our volunteers who have been serving faithfully every single Sunday for like eight or nine months now, they need a break. Jesus, he took a break. Our volunteers need breaks too, right? It's not fair to ask us to do more than Jesus did. He got at least one day off. Uh, and, um, and then others of our volunteers are quarantining at this time because of developments in their, in their sphere of influence. And so we're doing everything we can to keep our people happy, healthy, and safe. So if you would, pray for our volunteers. Pray for those that serve faithfully in this church over and over and over and over again, often without recognition or a high five or a hello. You don't really know what they're doing until they're not doing it. Like that's how faithful they've been. Uh, and Bruce and Rhonda did that for us for so long and we are happy to have them back this Sunday. So thank you guys very much. We're gonna jump into John 14, but really we're gonna jump into the last verse of John 13, okay? And if you've got a Bible in your hand, pull it out and look at it. If you've got it on your phone, pull it out and look at it because we're gonna go through some text today. Um, and it starts here in John 13, 38. I'm gonna do a lot of reading. I hope that's all right. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow afterward. And then Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you? Right? I love this. My daughter laughs because she thinks Peter sounds silly. I also think he sounds silly. It's good to, that when we read the Bible, we make these people sound like real people. Otherwise, it makes understanding the Bible in context very strange because we're like, ah, Peter in the Bible, he probably never did anything wrong. No, he messed up all the time. So uh, he's, and then Jesus says to him, okay, I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered him, said, will you lay down your life for me? For truly, I say to you, the rooster will crow until you have denied me three times. We've heard this story, right? We've heard the story before. We know the context. You need that context because what Jesus says next is maybe one of the most important things he could say to you. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So there are three things I want to say today, three things I really want you to get a hold of. Jesus says, do not be troubled. 
I'm about to do something. Do not be troubled. I'm about to do something. Ask me for anything. Ask me for anything and I will do it. Don't be troubled. I'm about to do something. Ask me for anything and I will do it. Amen. Amen. Ask me for anything. I will do it because I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to dwell with you. And that's how you know what you ask for you will receive. Okay? Those are the, those are the three things. I'm, give, I'm putting them out as a framework now so that you see them when they come up. All right, let's read. John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled, but believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so... I would have told you, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself and where I am, then you can also be there and you know where I'm going. And then Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. I just continually, I think about the compassion of Jesus for these people who just don't get it, right? His 12 best friends constantly looked at him and were like, uh, Jesus, do you have any clue what you're saying? Do you, what you're saying sounds impossible, right? And he spends, he spends his whole time with them telling him exactly what he's gonna do. And when the moment comes, they're like, uh, Jesus, I don't get it. And he's like entrusting the health and the safety of the gospel to them right after he leaves. I can't, he was a human, if you get frustrated with people, just know that Jesus was like face palming all the time, you know? And, and we're gonna get a couple of those here. You know where I'm going. And then Thomas goes, Lord, we don't know where, we're, where you're going. How could we possibly know where you're going? And Jesus said to him, if you're asking the way, Thomas, let me break it down for you. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also and from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. This is important. You, you have already seen him. If you've seen me, then you know him and you've seen him. Then Philip says to him, well, then show us the Father. He just said, you've seen him. If you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And his next best buddy goes, ah, yeah, but if you could show us the Father, then we'll believe in you. (laughs) If you'll show me the, I, I just said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Philip's like, yeah, I know you've done a whole lot. You've done like miracles and stuff, Jesus. That's really cool. But if you could just show us the Father, then we will believe you are the Messiah. Isn't this what the Pharisees just asked like a couple chapters ago? And Jesus rebukes the Pharisees because he knows their hearts are not right. But here's Philip asking the same dumb question, but he doesn't rebuke Philip the same way because he knows Philip's heart. Philip really wants to know. He wants to see. He wants to understand. And then Jesus says, have I been with you for so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Have, I, have we spent so much time together you don't get it? Is it possible, ladies and gentlemen, to spend a lot of time with Jesus or with his people or in his house and still not know him? Is that possible? 
It's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes, but I ask that because it's probably a question we need to ask ourselves, right? Do I know this Jesus? Do I really have an understanding of his character, of his nature, of his desires, right? I believe Philip wants to know that. Is it possible we've been together for so long and you still do not know me? Just know that the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. I do not speak on my own authority, but it's the Father. This is, this is really what I want to clue into here. So this is 14.10 and 11. But the Father who dwells in me says these things. I do not speak the words that I say to you. I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Okay, the Father dwells inside of Jesus is what he says. The Father is in me. We've got this image, this historic image of the Trinity, right? The Venn diagram of the entities, the beings, the the essences, the faces of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it makes this cool sort of like clover leaf looking thing. And we see them as three distinct beings, but they overlap in this one place in the middle. And here Jesus is saying the entirety of the Father, the essence, the nature, the DNA of the kingdom dwells with inside me. It is inside of me, guiding me. I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear my Father say it because my Father dwells inside of me. He guides me from within but also that Jesus dwells inside of the Father. So I, I got this idea that this idea of these, this, these circles, it's not necessarily a Venn diagram, but it's more like if you were to turn it sideways, it would be rings stacked because the essence and nature of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are identical. They want, desire, long for exactly the same thing. They are a unity distinct in how we interact with them, but singular in their desire, right? Truly, truly, I say to you that whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. That's, that's important. And whatever you ask, here's the second thing. So this is verse 13. Um, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified, ask anything that the Father may be glorified, and I will do it. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's big. That's big. Greater things than I have done, to which James says, we could not possibly account for all the things that Jesus has done. If we were to try to record everything that Jesus did while he was here, there would be no end of the books. And Jesus boldly says to us, the people who are sitting at the table with him, and we're like, uh, but Jesus, who are you really? He looks at these people and he goes, you're going to do even more, which is amazing because he worked for three years and did more than could be written in books. I have been a believer now for 15 years. My ministry as a believer is five times longer than Jesus's ministry. 
I don't think I've got a page of works yet that are maybe kingdom works, right? I've probably got a whole lot of stuff written down that I've done, but when it all gets toasted, what are the jewels? Maybe there's like, maybe we're just in the opening paragraph, right? But already my ministry as a believer is five times longer than Jesus's. And I think it's because I haven't asked enough. Ask me anything so that the Father may be glorified in the Son and I will do it. It's a conditional Ask me anything and I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son and I will do it. But this, this probably brings to mind for many of you that you have asked for things. You have asked for things in your life and you do not have them. How many? How many of you have earnestly petitioned the Lord and it just hasn't happened yet? A good friend of mine said recently, um, I have been asking for some things for a while, and to be honest, it makes my hope sick. I, um, it's, it's damaging my faith in some respects to keep asking. That's a hard place to be in. It's a really hard place to be in, because Jesus says, ask for anything, and I will give it to you but then apparently there are things you can ask for that you do not receive. Okay, there's probably a heart check moment here then because the qualifier is that the Father may be glorified in the Son and I will do it. So then I go to that other place in the scripture that talks about asking for things and that's in James 4. So we're gonna jump to James 4. And just in your mind, we're going to get to five, verses 5 and 6 real quick. That's, that's where I want to sort of focus. Also, James 4 is like for us right now. Just us. Us as a church, but us as a culture, us as a people, us as a nation. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war inside of you. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask. Don't, don't, don't. I mean, you do ask, but here in three, you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You're asking the wrong questions. You're asking so that you can spend it on your passions. You ask so you can spend it on yourself. You are an adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God, verses five and six. Or do you suppose it is to know purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. The spirit he has made to dwell in us. So there is this dichotomy now, it seems, that there is the Father that dwells, 
And, and keep in mind, James is speaking to believers. These are people post-Pentecost. These are people post-tongues of fire. These are people post-resurrection appearance and ascension. These are people post-Jesus showed up to 5,000 and the angels were like, don't worry, he'll be back. These are people who have walked in the spirit and seen the power and the might of, of the Lord and the the apostles here are writing letters to them going, guys, 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 there's this thing inside of you that is getting in the way of your petitions. It's actually bending your requests of God away from glorifying the Father through the Son and into feeding yourself the things that you want, the things that you desire. And what's wild is that from here, I can see you're asking for things that feed your own passions. Don't glorify the sun. They feed you. And then you don't get them. And then it upsets you. And so what do you do? You fight with each other. You quarrel. And then he, then he goes all out. And he's like, and you murder. I've not yet been in a church where somebody in the church killed somebody else in the church. I've been in a lot of churches, but that one hasn't happened yet. But we know that Jesus says, if you, if you look on someone with hate in your heart, then you have murdered them. The spirit of murder resides in you. It's possible that you could come to church wanting to pick a fight today because you hate somebody. And to be honest, you probably hate them because of something they posted on Facebook, right? And whether or not you would say, oh, I hate that person. You, pro you might, I don't know. You might, oh, they did it again. They're on my timeline. I hate, I hate them, I hate them. You wouldn't say that. You'd be like, oh, I don't like when they do that. But inside, you know what you're saying. Jesus says, if you, if you hate someone in your heart, that's like murder. He says, if you look at someone else's possessions or their life or their testimony and you go, I want theirs for mine. I want that for me. Not like theirs. I want theirs. Why are they doing so well and I'm not? That's not right. That's covetousness. Right? To, to see something and go, I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to have something like that, that's ambition. To see something and go, I want that one, that's covetousness, right? Their spiritual condition, their good news, their happy day, their sunshine, whatever it is, you can see it and want it for yourself, that's covetousness and that's adultery, right? Because it's a heart that goes after things, not after the Lord. Well, that's... That sucks, Clayton. That's, uh, that's not a happy word. So how do we turn the corner? Well, thank God, James tells us. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scriptures say God is jealous over the spirit that he has made to dwell in you, but... He gives more grace because he sees those things, but he gives more grace to overcome those things. He gives more grace and he gives 
And that's why it says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Give yourself a singularity of mind. Be, it says be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to joy and your mourning to joy. Let, let your gloom be joy. Humble yourselves before God and he will exalt you. If you look at someone else's trouble and you chuckle, let your joy be turned to mourning. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. But if you look upon someone else's calamity and you chuckle, let your joy be turned to mourning. And when your mourning comes, then he will exalt you. And he exalts us in a very specific way. It is by manifesting himself, his essence, his nature, the DNA of the kingdom. He causes it to rise up inside of us when our spirit, that passion of this world, goes low. His spirit, the passion of the kingdom, rises up. And then things happen. Then things happen in your life. Then things happen in your spirit. Things that you've not maybe yet tasted or that you have tasted and you long for again. From there, we jump back to John 14, verses 15 and 16, which is actually what I'm supposed to preach on. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you Jesus is with them. He dwells with you, but will be in you. Right now, he dwells with you, he says to the disciples, but will be in you. And then he gives us these characteristics of what the spirit is. It is helper. It is truth. You'll see it's the teacher. In other places, it is called the comforter. So if you need help, If you're in a situation today, those of you at home, if you're in a situation today and you need help, there is a spirit that is with you that wants to be in you, that wants to help, that wants to teach. If you are confused, this spirit wants to teach. If you are uncomfortable in your life, if the circumstances of your reality have made you unsettled, then there is a spirit that wants to bring comfort to you. Oh, but how, Clayton? How will that happen? Wants to be with you and be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then Jesus makes us this beautiful promise. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you, he says. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more because I'm going to die. I'm going to go into a grave 
and I will ascend. But you will see me because I live. And you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. That's that stack of three rings that when you look at it like this, it just looks like a circle. But when you turn it on its side, you can see Father and me and then the indwelling, the ability to be inside of you. And I will be in you. And because I live, you will also live. For whoever has my commandments and keeps him, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Do you have any sailors in here? Anybody sail? Yeah? A ship's manifest. It is a documentation that is the statement of the reality of the ship. Everything that is in the ship and everything about where the ship is going, it is documented before time as though it is fact. It is true. And then you follow the ship's manifest, right? Jesus says, I will manifest myself to you. Then Judas, not Iscariot, not that guy. It's not him. He's busy. He's somewhere else. Then Judas says to him, Lord, this is the question. I think this is the big question. Lord, how will you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How will you make yourself a reality to us in such a way that the people around us don't see you? Could you just break that down for me real quick? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, we will come to him and make our home with him. Where do you live in a home? Inside the home or outside the home? Inside the home, right? which seems like a very simple answer to a very simple question. And yet, we have folks who are in the church, like Philip, who are with Jesus regularly and are like, yeah, but I still don't get it. And we know that, there is a, that Jesus calls us a fact. He says, I will make my home with you. You will be my home. The Father dwells within Jesus. The Spirit dwells within us. And there are those of us who do not yet grasp the nearness of God to us, that he is within us. He is manifest within us. The helper, the comforter, the teacher, the guide is within us, and we're just not accessing it, right? Him, we're not, we're not engaging that relationship I will come, we will come, make our home within him. 
Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine. Because keep in mind, the Father is within Jesus while he's saying this. And he says, but what I'm saying to you right now, it's not me saying it. The words are only coming out of my mouth because the Father is saying it. I'm listening to him and then I'm saying it to you. That's how you know you can trust what I'm saying. Because it's not me. It's the Father who's saying it. How many of you have ever wished... I know I have prayed this. I prayed it this morning. How many of you have ever wished that Jesus would just give you the right words to say? Right? God, I'm going into this job interview. Just please don't let me say something stupid. Don't let me say something stupid. I prayed that when I came here (laughs) two years ago. And I'm not sure I still probably didn't say something dumb. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you're not supposed to nod your head. She said, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, he did. But that's the relationship Jesus had. So I'm not saying it to you. God is saying it. He's just saying it through me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give because... Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he dwells within you, and so that peace comes with you. So we've got helper, teacher, comforter, peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give, but let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. For you heard me say that I am going away, but I will come to you, And if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father and the Father is greater than I am. Let not your hearts be troubled. When was the last time we heard that? Last time we heard that was at the end of chapter 13 when Jesus says something to Peter. He says, Peter, I'm gonna tell you something that is about to happen in your life and it's gonna terrify you. But do not let your heart be troubled because I love you and I am with you. And when it happens, as I said it will, when it happens, you will know that I am who I said I am. And then immediately Jesus goes, okay, now I'm going to break something new out for you, which is that I'm going to send my spirit to live and dwell within you. But do not let your hearts be troubled by this. These are both equally terrifying events. You will deny me three times. You will hear a rooster crow in reality and then you will know that what I said to you is true. But don't be troubled. That's why I'm telling you in advance. And then Jesus goes on telling his disciples something in advance. But don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm gonna send my spirit, the essence, the nature, the DNA of the creator God, the sacrificial son, and the helper comforting spirit. I'm going to send it to dwell inside of you. The power of creation to dwell inside. But do not be troubled by this. I know it's scary, but don't be troubled by this. Because I'm going to manifest myself to you. And when I do, you will know that I am who I say I am. And you can believe in me in a deeper and newer way. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. 
Peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. And if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father who's greater than I. And now I have told you this before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I'm not going to say much more about this, Jesus says, for the ruler of this world is coming and he and I have nothing to do with each other. And then later, James says, you're asking for things, but the passions that are driving you are not for the kingdom. Therefore, this world but there's a spirit that dwells inside of you that wants to comfort you, bring you peace, wants to teach you all things. Let that spirit rise up. So there are two kinds of folks, I guess. Maybe three, but two for now that we're focusing on. One, people like these disciples who had never had this spirit or who do, do not yet have this spirit, this indwelling spirit nature inside of them, right? And then there are people who do have the spirit dwelling inside of them. But it is sharing space with the passions of this world. And so, which are you? I guess that's really the question. Which are you? Are you a person like these disciples who have been in the presence of the Lord and yet do not understand the spirit because it's not yet indwelt you if you are what a beautiful day what a beautiful day because he says whatever you ask in my name I will do that if it glorifies the father through the son I will do it you ask and I will do it let anyone who lacks ask and it will be given abundantly, right? So if you recognize that you have been in the proximity of Jesus, but not yet in this kind of relationship with Jesus, then you ask and he will give it. Or maybe you're the other kind of person who knows that there is this indwelling nature, this kingdom, this essence, this DNA of God's desires Maybe you know that it is in you. And also you recognize that there are passions in this world that drive you. And you ask and you ask and you ask and you ask amiss. And you ask and you do not receive and it makes you mad. And so you hate. And so you covet. The path of that end It's just more frustration. It's more hate. It's more covetousness. It's more burden. And there is a spirit that God is jealous about. He wants it to dwell in you and dwell in abundance. And if you are this person, then James gives us the absolutely perfect DNA for recovery. It is. To be humble. 
It is to ask again. It is, it is to let your joys of this world bring you to mourning and to reposition your joys towards the kingdom. And it is to ask again, let the spirit come, right? And who is a model for this in our lives? Why, it's King David, the worst guy ever. He's terrible. Like we rejoice in the history and the story of King David, right? Like King David, he was a shepherd boy. He slayed the giant. He played rock tunes for Saul. He created instruments. He was a leader. He's a terrible person, right? He murdered his neighbor, slept with his wife, and then raised that kid in the public eye and was like, yeah, that's my son. We're so proud. Like, he's a bad dude. He's no good. And yet, he says, because he understood something, he understood something that I want us to understand. He says in Psalm 51, he says, renew a right spirit within me. Because he recognized that the spirit within him did not want kingdom things. He says, renew a right spirit within me, God. And take not your Holy Spirit away from me. If we can look at the entirety of scripture for context, then I suppose that's also possible for us. And with my last minute, I will confess that I know the difference in my life between the nearness of God and the distance, right? I know it. I, I feel it because it has been made manifest to me. Somebody said to me recently, wow, your testimony has a lot of feelings in it. But that's not emotions. It's not feelings like happy or sad. It's like, it's like I feel when my father grabs my arm, right? Oh, or the feeling of fear I have when my actual father snaps his fingers like a lightning crack, right? Do any of your, did any of your parents have this? Like literal, the sound of thunder in their hand, like my dad could snap his fingers from across the room and the hair goes up on the back of my neck. That's a feeling I have, but it's because that reality was made manifest to me as a child, right? And that reality sounded like a bell. King, snack, Right? It was made manifest. I, I know when I'm near him. And it's good. It's good. And I know when I am not. And it is tragic. It is a tragic feeling. But it's never without warning. This is what I love about Jesus. It's never without warning. It's never like, oh, hey, Clayton, I, looked, I turned around and you were gone, dude. Where'd you go? He's with me. And he, and he I kid you not. I love, can we, can, I'm gonna talk about my wife real quick. But I'm not talking about my wife. I'm gonna talk about me and my wife. We're married, so we get into arguments because we're married and we live together and we're people and the passions of this world want things that do not align with the kingdom. And usually that's around something dumb, like should it be 72 or 68 in the house? And, and I know the moment when I'm about to cross the line. 
I absolutely know the moment because Jesus tells me. His spirit that dwells within me, that is at war with my own passions, he goes, hey, if you say that, you're not coming back. Like, I'm just letting you know right now, I know you want to say that, but if you say that, it's going to be bad, is deafening, because I, I recognize it every time. And I go, I'm going to say it, Jesus. Watch me. And then I do, because I'm, I'm a terrible person. And I say it. And to tell you that I feel different the moment after. When I go, I'm going to say it anyway, Jesus. Watch me do it. And he says, that's cool. I'm not going to hang around for this. And he draws back from me. He doesn't, he doesn't leave, right? Because yet more grace abounds, it says in James. But he draws back. And I just choke. Because I know. Because he's made himself manifest to me. And then he withdraws. And I know the difference because I can feel myself being made manifest, right? My desires over his. And I have to repent of those moments. There's no, there's no coming back. There's no coming back from that, right? Like that is an irreversible damage unless I turn the joy of my personal victory into mourning and I humble myself in front of my bride and I make myself low so that God can then raise up his spirit in me and humble me. And God bless, that spirit also dwells in Jesse. <laughs> and so the Lord raises up his spirit in Jesse and usually she forgives me, right? She goes, mm -hmm, usually I do, yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's the question. That's the appeal. Are you someone who has been in the proximity of Jesus, but yet you do not have the spirit indwelling that you know? You've been near, but not manifest. If, you, if that's you if, you, if if Jesus is on you today and he's like, that's you, that's you, that's you, then ask and he will give abundantly. And if you are like me, and that spirit is the jealous Lord guards that spirit inside of you and yet your passions come in the way, then you can, you can humble yourself. You can ask God to forgive you. You can ask God to rise with his spirit inside of you, to, to, to fill you again, to renew a right spirit within me like David says. I believe, church, fundamentally, that this is the transformational moment of what Trinity is to become. That we would be marked as a people who are known like Jesus to say only what Jesus says and do only what they see Jesus doing and that we would be out in the street in such a way that we would be undeniable followers of Jesus. And that when folks ask why we did what we just did, 
We go, Jesus told me to do it. Oh, you mean you read the Bible and it's like the right thing to do? Like, no, I mean he just told me to do this, so I did it. That appears to be unique in the world. And it is exclusively a space inhabited by his people. And he wants that for us. We're going to sing a beautiful hymn right now. Margie, please come up. We're going to sing a song that many of you know. We're going to sing it for you so that you can read the words, listen, let the familiarity come to you. And it is this request. It is the request of Jesus come dwell in me. So let this moment work in you today. us 
is that this last verse would be our prayer for us. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy power till all shall see Christ only and always living in me. Let's pray. Jesus, renew a right spirit within us. Take not your spirit away from us. Against you only, Lord God, we have sinned. But you have said to us that you are going to do a work. You are going to do something in our church and in our lives. And like in Dan's passage, you're not doing it for us. You're doing it for your glory. So that all shall see Christ only, always, living in us. So do it. We open our hands to you this morning, Jesus. We open our hearts to you this morning, Jesus. And we say, do it. And you encourage us. You say, do not be troubled, church. Do not be troubled. Because when I do it, when I make myself manifest to you, when you see that it is me, when you see that it is my works, then you will know that it was me the whole time. If you don't believe the words I'm saying right now, then at least believe the works that I have done. Church, Jesus is going to do something. He's going to make himself manifest to you. He promises us, he promises us that he will. And when he does, you will see and you will know that it is him and that it has always been him and that he does it out of love. He does it for your comfort. He does it to bring peace. And he does it to make himself known. And so Jesus, we say thank you for this. As with all things that we receive from you, we say thank you, Jesus. Amen. We have a couple announcements real quick.